Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Roker Report podcast in association with Vox Brewery. I am your host Alex and I am here to spread the good news that once again Sunderland have won and kept a clean sheet in the process, beating Bristol Rovers by three goals to nil. Three goals coming in a flurry after the aforementioned side we played against got reduced to ten men, but we'll get into that in good time. I'm Gav your host says. Alex. Okay, thanks Gav. <laughs> anyway, spoil, spoil you all intro there. Um, I'm joined by Gav. How you doing Gav? Dossas. Dossas is the word of the day. Yeah. The weekend. And I'm also joined by Tom. How you doing, Tom? I'm fine. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, the thing about if you were fine or not. Yeah. I did. I, did. I, I was distracted by his eyes. He makes quite intense eye contact oh. as Alex gets so, to me. Should I, should I, should I apologize? Or? Uh, no, just look the other way, please. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> and I'm also joined by Johnny Rob. How you doing, Johnny? I'm very well, thanks. Good stuff. Very good, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'd also like you to put some sunglasses on. Thanks. So, so <laughs> for the eye contact. Honestly, I'm getting really self-conscious here now, boys. Really get me down this. Anyway, so before we get into the Sunderland game itself, we will mention the result garnered by the Sunderland ladies team, who in the recent Weatees derby beat the Bear Women six goals to one. An emphatic victory which ensures the ladies bounced back from their cup defeat at the hands of Birmingham. And it's also great to see that Kira Ramshaw made her 200th appearance for the club, so well done to her. It's always good to see a derby victory, no matter who it is or who you're playing against. You know, a derby victory is a derby victory. We are very thankful to have seen this one. So let's get into the Bristol Rovers game itself. I'm going to have to open my phone again because I've just locked the email, which has three-word reviews on. Yeah, so three-word review from the Bristol Rovers game. We have Adam Lyle, who says patience and quality. Carly McDonald says Tom Flans Beckenbauer. Kenzie Wooten says assist King Maguire. Alex Catcherside says promotion party pending. Kenny Armstrong says return of Aline. Andy Atch says starting to believe. Callum Lawson says absolutely effing class. Andrew Lee says being proved wrong. Michael Cowell says more bins needed. And David Harwood says must improve more. So I'll stop talking now because I've talked far too much. Let's get into the actual discussion of the game itself. So we'll start with you, Gav. What did you make of that game? Give me your overall thoughts. To be honest, all I can think about is the rubbish on the pitch after that three-word review there. That's classic you, isn't it? It was bad yesterday. That's the worst thing that happened yesterday, the rubbish. People need to take it home with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, the game was uh, pretty professional, I thought. I thought first half, we dominated without really causing too many problems for the goalkeeper. It was quite irritating that 
We saw so much of the ball down the sides, created quite a lot of chances yet. Uh, never really had that many shots on goal. Um, and it, it, when it got to about the 65th minute, I turned to me mate and I said, we're not scoring today. It just felt like one of them games where you, you do everything but get shots away. Um, I mean, 9 had a great header towards the end of the first half, which if he'd scored it, it probably would have been the best header I've ever seen because he jumped like Ronaldo. Oh, slash Mark Poom. He was like a salmon yeah, one. It was like Mark Poom against Derby. Um, we also had a couple of half chances like White back healing one, which was quite, you know, decent to be fair. I wasn't expecting to see it. Cross comes in from Maguire, sort of dinks it to him and he just back heels it at the keeper. Nearly went in. Um, but then in the second half, it, it sort of continued along that, that line. When they got a player sent off a change of game, I felt that, to be honest, as, as, although they were still in the game to that point, they weren't great. Bristol Rovers, I was ex- I, I actually, before the game, expected them to give us a little bit more of a, a difficult challenge and thought Johnson Clark Harris was the, the, the danger man in the team, but he, he was really tame, um, like he has been pretty much every time he's yeah, played someone. Yeah, I, I was going to say, every, t- every time we've played Bristol Rovers, there's always been someone who said, oh, we've got to watch out for Johnson Clark Harris. You know, he's a, he's, he can be a real menace if he's not kept in check and mm. every single time he's He scored against us for Coventry last season, but we'll not count that. No. To, um, to be honest, I think the nicest thing you can see about Bristol yesterday was they came for a draw, didn't they? They didn't oh, they didn't well, come with any real attack and intent. No. Any well, you, you, could, desire. you could see the time I mean on like the twenty fifth minute they were time wasting. I think the ball was going out and then the, the keeper was like sauntering into the sands to get the ball. Like the they were playing absolutely for a draw. Like quite I think at that, point, that that early on in the game, quite shamelessly for a draw, really. Yeah, like yeah. there wasn't even an attempt. Although when I listened to the preview podcast in the build-up, their fan said that um, you know they'd be on such a bad run at the minute that they would have to maybe revert to a, a style of player that would get the odd point here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't really surprised. Like, do you think we still would have scored though had they stuck with eleven men on the pitch? You know, um, like, well, like I say, I don't, I don't, I didn't think we were going to score. I turned yeah, to me yeah. and said that. I said we just don't look like scoring. We're doing everything but scoring. Some it felt for a while a bit like that game against Blackpool years ago, where we just like peppered them hmm. really, but we never we never sort of created anything meaningful. Um, and to be fair, probably a minute before we scored the first goal, I think everybody in the ground was pretty much in in agreement that White and Gucci needed to come off. Even the manager did. He had Lafferty and uh, um, yeah. Semenyo warming up, ready to come on. And the combine for the, I mean, White, White, who got the first goal? Gooch got Gooch the first it, yeah. one. It was... Gooch set that one, uh, White set that away to Maguire, another great ball in. Second goal, uh, a bit of fortune to be fair, like their two defenders both went for the same ball and it put White through. I mean, that's the slowest I've seen anyone yeah. take a keeper on, but at least he's done it. Um, but let's say to that point, I was like frustrated by the pair of them. I just thought like that. Haven't played well at all. I think yeah. I've seen Laurie's turn Testo's roundabout quicker than I saw Charlie White turn that keeper <laughs> mind. It was absolutely brilliant. Like, what was the keeper doing? He, come, <laughs> he comes, he comes absolutely blaring out, then just stops on the edge of the box where his hands are useless. Yeah, I was thinking, what's he doing? And then by that point, all literally all White had to do was knock it around him. He was either getting fouled or he was going to score. Mm-hmm. And this is a goalkeeper who we were told in the build up the game is above League One. Jamal Blackman, he's meant to be a really good goalkeeper. I yeah, didn't, I didn't know. think anything of him. I know he didn't have a, it was a great big, deal to do, but like even his distribution and stuff, it, it, he was generally he a quite a poor keeper. Him, didn't he? Aye, but yeah, he had that that's quite a baseline standard for a goalkeeper, though, isn't it? Like you know, I feel like if you be yeah. able to kick, yeah, be able to kick <laughs> ball a long way. You know, like it's 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 sort of 
should really be on on the tin, shouldn't it? Really, hmm. but no, I think you. Yeah, he's someone who's meant to be quite highly rated, but like watching sort of like white bamboozle him at about four miles an hour was was a, was a sight to behold. <laughs> the fact you're being bamboozled by Charlie White probably explains a lot. Like. Well, it, it, that that's the caliber of the division you're in, isn't it? Really, again, you know, we'll come back to that old saying, but white the bamboozler. It's funny, it's funny though, because for weeks and weeks and weeks, we've, I think most fans have been like, "I this is great that it's working," but I would like to see maybe Lafferty play, and then like. White scores. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. it's not going to happen now. Can't drop he, lo- he loves he loves Charlie White for to, whatever reason. To be know. fair, that probably do a lot for his confidence because I remember I think it was the Blackpool game just before Christmas, or maybe the Burton game at home, where he, exactly the same chance he went through one on one, and I said to me mate who I stand with, and I was like, he's not scoring this, no chance, and he didn't. And like, but like, obviously yesterday, you know, he did. He, mm-hmm. he seemed pretty comfortable going around the keeper and and knocking it in. You know, so no, I think it makes no, a big no, difference. Well, nobody more than Sunderland fans wants to see him do well. So ah, if that absolutely. gives him some confidence between now and the end of the season, then great. I think I think the presence of these players has definitely kicked some of them up the arse. Yeah. So you know, Lafferty just being there should be more than enough to push Wyke every day in training and. And obviously, you know, when Lafferty's coming on, he's he's not showing a great deal, but he's not getting enough time to really uh, show anything. No, but I think White will probably know that if if Lafferty's given enough time and White himself isn't improving, it, it might become apparent quite quickly that Lafferty is overall the better player. I mean, if you think of who Charlie White's played with in his career, if you think of the clubs he's been at before us, he was at Carlisle for quite a while where he did well. Yeah. He was at Bradford for quite a while where he did well. I, I can't imagine, though I, I don't know the, the rosters of those teams in those respective seasons, I can't imagine that he's competed with many strikers of the same calibre as Kyle Lafferty, just based on reputation. Not chances, chances, no. 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 So I, th- I think for, for him, really, and again, that's not... <laughs> That's not to assume his mentality, but I think having someone like so have someone of like the name and reputation of Carl Lafferty come through the door, he's got to think, right, you know, if I don't pull my finger out and I don't, you know, start taking these games by the scuff of the neck, I am gonna lose my place quite quickly. And, you know, I suppose fair play to him. He's he's doing, I would say, in my opinion, just enough yeah. to keep his place. So, yeah. Someone someone made a good point on Twitter. Others said that his job in the team is to score goals to be a foil for others. Mm-hmm. And although he played pretty poorly yesterday, he did both of those things. So he did mm-hmm. his job in, in a sense. To, to play devil's advocate though, is when I watch Charlie Wake, as many other people do, I find him really frustrating. I don't think he, he brings overall that much to the side. Going into Tuesday, would you consider, just to throw it out there, is would you consider just giving Lafferty an hour? And I know it would be harsh to drop White but give him an hour because I'll. Mm. I don't know. I just feel like if you got, no, could get decent, you. you could get more out of Lafferty in an hour than you could get with Wyke. But if you brought Wyke on for sort of 20, 25 minutes or whatever, you could you would probably get more out of Wyke because he's not trying to last ninety minutes. He's mm. just trying to last twenty. I don't, I don't know. Is this the game to experiment though? It's like, this is probably uh, the well, biggest. Yeah. We we right. if you look at the if you look at the run at the end of the season now, Fleetwood. Gillingham and who's Coventry. the team we're playing? Coventry. Coventry, and that, Coventry. That's the hardest run we've got yeah, coming. Yeah. So, and I, I, I've said this to a few people, although the logic some somewhat baffles us. I, I mean, I can't get my head around how this is working in the way right. it is. Like, uh, everything tells you that you should be making little tweaks, changes. Yeah. And then time and time again, he's picking results up. So it, why it, change it? It feels like it's been weeks since, like, like that we've been saying, oh, there needs to be a change, there needs to be some sort mm-hmm. of rotation. You know what I mean? But he, he hasn't. And it, I can't remember the last time that the team has been this consistent in terms of the lineup. You know, like, it for the, I don't know, maybe since Allardyce, 
It's been. I, even, I, I, I can't even remember how far back actually. When yeah, you say that, no, I would say Allardyce or Poyet in that season yeah, where they kept us yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be that like a manager every game was trying to find the right lineup and just hoping he would strike gold, mm-hmm. like with the right lineup. But like, I, I don't know. It's unprecedented. Like what, what it's been since Christmas. Credit, unreal. Like, yeah, yeah. Unreal. Well, I was, I was going to say it's testament to how well Parkinson's done since Christmas, really, because even though everyone you know Wikes is kind of the discussion of the moment at the minute is whenever we're criticizing it's not a big critique it's just it is essentially nitpicking isn't it yeah. it's not you know it's in, like in the build of his goal yesterday right he'd done something really annoying he, he backed into their defender instead of trying to win it do you remember yeah, uh, it was about i think it was about uh 30 seconds before was it his goal or the first goal the first goal, goal was in, anyways, in the, it was either the first or second goal, I can't remember. He, the ball comes up really high on the halfway line and he purposely backs into their player, just trying to win a free kick and gave the free kick away, I think. Um, it, he, it was just really frustrating. He and loves then, a bit of that, though. Yeah, it's I, always. I, I, wish he, I wish he wouldn't focus so much on doing that. He's a yeah. better player than that. You know, just use your... He's like Connor Wickham to me. I, I said this the other week. He just reminds me of Connor Wickham. Connor Wickham used to do the same thing. I used to think, you're so big and you're so athletic. Use your body to your... To your advantage, stop trying to win daft free kicks. And that, I don't know whether he's so been taught play like that. Like right. Charlie White is just like our League One Connor Wickham, isn't he? Like he's like <laughs> he's, he's he's the big sort of like alleged target man who, are, as you say, often opts to try and you know put together moves by you know using strategies that a target man would yeah. make, like backed into defenders trying to win free kicks. I mean, I mean, how I, good I, he I, was on the goal though. That there he set away for for Gooch mm-hmm. the first time pass into Maguire. I mean, that is, that's perfect hold up play. I'm, I'm inclined more, to agree with Tom, though, to be honest with what you said earlier about starting Lafferty. I know it's not a game to experiment, but I think the word experiment implies that you're trying something unorthodox. And I, and I think that on the balance of it, even though we haven't seen him that much, just from what, what I have seen overall, I, I think I think you, you can't really do any worse for a target man with Charlie White than Cal Lafferty would be. Mm. I, I, think if, I think if you put him out there for... Again, for the first hour, at least, I think you would generally see like a, a well, he'd perform the target man role, I think, more effectively. He's a much bigger presence. Every time the ball's been hit, hit up to him when he's come on, he's looked like a lot more of a viable target than Wyke's been. You know, he doesn't get pushed over by defenders. He's, I would say, as mobile, but that's perhaps owing to his fitness. You know, is his finishing still... We, we still need to really see him have like a, a, a clear-cut mm. chance, really. But from no, a, from I, a man management point of view, I don't think dropping a striker who's just scored is a great idea. Oh, no, I mean... I don't think I'm, you will. I don't think you will. For oh, I mean, well, what, I mean, it's entirely hypothetical. I don't yeah. think it'll happen because, I, again, as you say, I just think it's totally... It's just like a logical fallacy, isn't it, that to drop a striker who's just scored? And I think mm. from a man management point of view, definitely, yeah, you, it's just not a thing that you, you ever really do. So White will start because... Parky absolutely loves him. Like I think it, as well, his wife seems that he, his confidence can be quite fragile, especially when you see him. He's a different player, like I say all the time. He's a different player from once he scored to before he scored. And sometimes he needs little little things to go his way. Like It sounds really stupid to say this, but just before half-time yesterday, I don't know if anyone else noticed it, big ball just ballooned into the air and it went out. And it, went, it was about five yards off the pitch. But White just watched it, and from about 40 foot in the air, he just brought it down, and it just glued to his foot. It was the best touch I've ever seen Charlie White make. And that was after a really poor first half from him. he come out second half, he was a far better, far better player in the second half. Mm. So I don't know 
is that what's Parkinson seen in the dressing room? But little things like he he must just be sat there thinking, "Fucking hell, I brought that ball down!" Like, like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just like it was no bother. It was like Ronaldinho kind of touch. <laughs> and then he's come so out. You just compared Charlie White to Ronaldinho. He is the white Ronaldinho. Obviously, a lot less hair, but another trip to Turkey. <laughs> He'll probably no, be no. all right. He'll probably yeah. be, be close. Give him a few more commutes over there and he'll be all right. Did you notice the adverts going around the pitch for hair transplants? <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> it said uh, affordable hair transplants between 1,800 and three and a half grand. I mean, who's that affordable to? Charlie Wyke. Charlie Wyke. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those adverts are talking about the players, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> catching them off guard for a moment. Like, oh, I could do with one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Bob was at the play, go and chase it. Oh, hang on. That's something I could do with. <laughs> yeah. One and Alex. Oh, go on then right. <laughs> you fell asleep there yeah, didn't you I, I did I'm, honestly I'm shattered <laughs> I mean I've got no excuse because you obviously used to watch the, the, the Wilder Fury fight but yeah no I'm, I'm also tired but not 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 to the point where I can complain given given how little sleep you've had but yeah so we'll go to you Tom we haven't had any views from you as a as a forerunner for this so what did you stare at you again? <laughs> well, this is intense, but yeah. I like it. Yeah. Just on the staring thing before to put in, this little seating scenario is great, isn't it? We oh, can see each other. It's wonderful, yeah. It's not, like being, it's not like being at the uni where the screens are in the way, we can all see yeah. each other. We're actually just now realising that those screens are the only thing stopping me from making the room really uncomfortable <laughs> every time I'm hosting it. I... It's sexy, but it's not too sexy. Yeah, it's, it's, it strikes a nice balance. I'm, 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 I'm glad you feel that way, Tom. Really boards well. But yeah, no, so what did you make of the game as a whole? Who were your standout performers, Tom? Uh, first half, I don't think anyone was a was a real standout apart from George Dobson. I thought say, he's yeah. mm-hmm. he's really grown into his role as a Sunderland player. Um, I was quite looking forward to him when, when we signed him. And to be honest, between the summer and, and right up to January, I thought he was fairly disappointing. But he was standout. And I think him and Power, generally over the 90 minutes, control trolled the game really well and they've it's not the first time they've done it they've struck up a good partnership um, and I think you notice Dobson maybe a little bit more Dobson's a bit more I don't know he's just a bit more intense I feel he gets on the ball a bit mm-hmm. more he's looking a bit more to do with it whereas Power's more of a you know he's more of a general he's dictating play a bit more mm-hmm. so again I was impressed with those two thought Oz Tate was fine but not for the first time in the past few weeks Really impressed with Tom Flanagan, and I really didn't think I'd be seeing that. Yeah, yeah, done yeah. well, didn't he? But uh, he looks way, way more comfortable in the back three, definitely, especially on the left hand side. Yeah, as well. he looks more comfortable say. on his on Just his left. Doing, than the, his doing right. the sweeping up, the sweeping up job. I, I love that. Like you, you're watching him before in a two, struggling to hold position and yeah. be disciplined. Whereas in this, he's got a little bit more freedom to fly out and win, you know, I think win loose balls. He's definitely a confidence player as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, you look at like towards like the, the back end of last season um, or like when he got dropped and yeah. he was just, you could see his confidence was shattered. And yeah. he just, it, it, it's like you say, playing in a, in a back five, it far suits him um, compared to sort of playing in back four. And he just, I, he's, I think, I think he's got, a really good eye for a ball as well for for a pass forward now and then he'll just thread like the odd ball yeah. and like you can, it, sometimes it doesn't come off but sometimes it does and it, i think he's um i i think he's a total confidence player like yeah i think we've hit the sweet spot really with how to play flanagan in, in our team as was said earlier or as you've just said there like with the back two when for example it was flanagan and baldwin you know yeah. I, I think that 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 really that um very sort of like you know 
fragmented partnership sort of came to a head and culminated in that Coventry game when the, when we lost 5-4 and really you know, I know I say it every time that game is brought up but the, the 5-4 is probably a scoring that flatters us and hides a lot of the defenders blushes because you could easily have not scored the four that we did score because a lot, a lot of them are quite fluky and if that game ended 5-0 you know, it, it would have been it would have been quite a justified scoreline, and that sort of highlighted just how how difficult Tom Flanagan found working in as part of like a, a centre back pairing with just two centre backs, because one, as as you say there, Gav, his positioning just goes a bit off when he's not got that much cover, and when he's when he was when his only other partner in that sort of defensive shape was Jack Baldwin, who I think's level of confidence and sort of and a similar type of defender. Yeah, yeah, it was very similar, and I think the entire the entire experience of playing your first season it's in such like a big home stadium I think was quite daunting for the both of them and I think that sort of showed in games like that equally to go on to go to the far side of that when Flanagan's played as a fullback irrespective of what the the, the centre-backs look like I think he's looked a bit too awkward to play as a fullback necessarily yeah. I don't know again that might just be because you know he's quite like a long like lanky lad and he sort of doesn't really like move with the sort of like grace that like a, a smaller fullback does when they're getting forward and playing as more of a wing back as, as we've seen in that like back five but it's never really suited Flanagan that well I think he, he plays a lot more as you know as a more of like a no-nonsense sort of like, like defender who's sweeping up the danger not sort of like dealt with by your Willis and your Ozturk but he's, he's quite an unconventional player yeah is, is what I would see he doesn't he, like you see he looks awkward but actually when you're just when you take him on face value of does he tackle well? Mm-hmm. Is he winning headers? Is he playing the right passes? He does all the things as well as as anyone else. But yeah. I think that yeah. that back three that he's got of the centre backs is actually working really well because mm-hmm. you've also seen the best of Willis out of that because Willis has been allowed again to use his pace going forward, you know, get involved, get a lot of ball time as well, and then it doesn't matter really who you play in the middle. Like I know we had the odds take argument this week. Whether it's Oz Turk, whether it's Lynch, who hopefully after his concussion now thinks he's fucking Maldini or someone. <laughs> but like, Crikey. it doesn't matter who you put in that in that middle. Everyone's role's quite defined, but it brings out the best in everyone. So for me, Oz Turk's probably our least cultured on the ball. But because mm-hmm. he's in the middle, he doesn't need to be on the ball. No. He doesn't need to be running fast. He just needs to win headers and win tackles, yeah. which is what he does. Quite a variety of skills there, isn't there? Yeah. Across the back three. It, it is really. It complements itself. Yeah. You know, it, it balances itself mm-hmm. out quite nicely. You've got left footer on the left, right footer on the right. And then you've got that organisation yeah. from the guy in the middle. Honestly, don't forget Smith as well, who's just yeah. come in. Yeah. When, when, when you're like, when you sort of, Peel back the layers a bit of really of like of like sort of like Parkinson's sort of like defensive blueprint. It is quite like tactically complex when you get down to it. I mean, you're not, you're not just if you think of like we always. I think I think Jack Ross fancied himself more as the more sort of like defensively conservative manager of the two that we've had here. And I know Parkinson again plays a lot more of a meat and potatoes kind of football, but I think Jack Ross was the manager who sort of saw himself as making a more sort of like conservative, <laughs> intricate style of football. But when you break it down in that first season, you know, he, he played a, a flat back four. There was not much to it and it got found out by teams who tried something different, you know, such as Coventry, who they had the two very like very piercing, very strong inside forwards and they carved through like a hot knife through butter because... You know, on the surface of it, it was just a flat back four and there was nothing really to it that made it anything more than what it was at its most fundamental level. But then when you look at, say, the the five three two that Parkinson's got now, as we said there, you've got Flanagan, who's easy left footer. You know, he can he times his tackles really well. He can bring the ball out. He plays as a more of the conventional centre-back with a 
sort of like unconventional ability to get the ball forward when he needs to. Willis on the other side, can he can move over and support the wing back because he's quick and he can time his tackles well as again. And then Ozturk in the middle, who's probably when Lynch isn't here, he'll be like the the most sort of like physically present of the three overall. But because he's, you know, the flimsiest with his feet, he does the no nonsense job of just ball comes in, get it out, you know, hoof it up, head it out. Doesn't matter. Other two will compensate with more technical expertise. It's it's quite it's quite good. It's quite good to watch. Well, Willis and, Willis has just come on so much. Oh, he's fantastic. He's like unreal. I mean, have you ever has he lost a one v one when he's chasing mm. the ball down? He never seems to lose in that situation. There was a few occasions yesterday I noticed as well. There when I was getting a two three yard head start and his legs are going like the clappers, yeah. and Willis just seems to glide over there. Yeah. And he, players are quick. getting three, four yard head starts and he's still beating them at the ball by two or three yards. Player, he's, no. he's having, not a league one player, is he? Having a, a, a defender that's like as athletic as him is just an absolute revelation. You know, I mean, like, I mean we give the we, we do give the recruitment team a lot of stick, yeah. collectively as fans. But that was a brilliant sign in that yeah, on a free that. transfer. Oh, you've put an absolute you know, blinder, haven't you? You know, because he's a championship player in every sense. Yeah. Yeah. I he's... just want to flag up one thing though that you said, Alex, and I might be being a picky here, but you said Parkinson's football is a bit like meat and potatoes, and I think that's a little bit harsh on Parkinson. Possibly, just in the sense that some of the football we played yesterday and some of the football we've played since Christmas yeah. has been actually some really nice football to watch. I know Parkinson's got this; he's very defensive. It's long ball. It's this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. And yeah, we do play long ball, but it's to clear the lines when the lines need I don't to think oh, do. Yeah, no, I don't think we do. You meat and potatoes we... insofar as, you know, he doesn't make out like someone is reinventing the wheel. You know, he yeah. sort of like, he, 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 he puts together a side that looks like a, quite a conventional lineup. But then when you get into it, it's actually very complex. Yes, and I think he, he, plays a, he plays a lot down of what he's doing, you know. Because yeah. so, some of the football we play, in, I was seeing this the other week to someone, is we play some of the best football I've seen anyone in the division play at the yeah. moment. And it is football. It's on the floor. It's, you know, there's moments like yesterday, it was second half. Power was just sort of hovering 10 yards in front of the halfway line in the middle. And he was just passing it sideways, 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 just until they were completely stretched. And I think that was not long before O'Neill scored the third. Mm -hmm. They were just completely stretched. Why why do you think Parkinson's five of the backs work in... And Jack Rosses didn't. Do you think it's Rosses was too? I don't think personnel? it was this, a little bit. I don't. I don't think it was as. Um, I don't think he gave it enough time for a start. Right. I mean, you think about if you think back to when he implemented it. The first game of preseason was against South Shields, mm-hmm. who are a Northern Premier League team. Right. Yeah. We played three at the back, and it looked good. But you can't take anything from that. It's nope. the first game of preseason. Then I think we only played another three preseason games in which we played that formation in every game. Mm-hmm. We just didn't give it enough time. We didn't have enough... Pre-season was a shambles this year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I put that down to why we started so badly under Ross. We, we didn't play enough games. Um, the level of opposition maybe wasn't right. Um, I mean, when like I say, you've only played four games and one of them's a Northern Premier League team. It's not good enough. You need, you need to give yourself the best possible chance for the start of the season. Um, and that's maybe why it didn't work so much. But on top of that, Ross played players like Conor McLaughlin and stuck by him quite a bit. When it was clear he wasn't good enough to play wing back, um, didn't, didn't he, he have Flanagan as the centre point of the three at some point as well? I think he did. Um, you know, he, he did, and that he, was another big reason led, why he, he was playing play. Ledbetter as well, who can't play in a two. He's not quick enough anymore. Um, I mean, it just wasn't it wasn't well thought out, and I don't think I don't think what we're seeing now resembles anything like that. I mean, he's, he's since Parkinson's come in, he's placed complete faith in Hume yeah. to the point where Declan John doesn't even make it onto the bench. He obviously sees Hume as somebody who can really grow 
with the team. Mm-hmm. So you stick with them as opposed to bringing on a bringing in a lone player uh, in his place and hot maybe stunting his development. What he's doing is he's letting Hume. I'm saying this. He hasn't had any. He doesn't play badly. He has average games. I, don't, I can't remember Denver Hume ever playing badly uh, recently. I just think recently not. No, maybe he's he's cre- his creative uh, outputs definitely dropped off. But he doesn't have bad games, and I think that's de- that's a testament of, again to Parkinson who is stuck with him. And then on the other side, um, he's do- he's he's showed the same sort of faith in Luke O'Nine, who, for my money, is a championship player playing right wing back. I think he is a right wing back. I think he, everything everything he can play a number of positions, but everything he does as a right wing back is just mm-hmm. ideal. He's got the work rate, he's got the tenacity going forward, good in the tackle, organized talks, takes on um takes on criticism and and you know stuff from the likes of Willis. I mean you say Willis talking to him all the time. It's just I, th- I think that is the key to this system. And also on top of that, he's not playing without and out wingers. He's put basically two lads to play as strikers off Wyke, which is sort of why I can see why Wyke plays so much. He is basically just a decoy or a pivot for the he other. Is, yeah, yeah. I, so I thought that was the crack with um, Madger last season. You know, like I, th- I thought we were Gooch was so sort of successful early on last season because defenders were so concerned about Josh Madger and him mm-hmm. pulling defenders away, and it's almost similar now with Wyke. Like he's he's sort of um, he's he's engineering these these um, sort of situations where. The it, it's given Maguire and Gooch just loads of space and loads mm-hmm. of chances because he's he's pulling defenders yeah. away. What, what was what was the game when recently when Gooch scored twice? Um, oh. uh, I can't hmm. remember who. What we just seem to be winning three 0 at home every week. Was it Rochdale? <laughs> no, no, it was. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That was uh, two from Gooch and one from nine. If you watch, if you, there was a really good goal which I think Gooch finished off, um, where the football and the build up was outstanding, mm-hmm. and it was all. If you watch, Gooch just drifts in. Nobody's watching him. Everyone's occupied by by Wyke. Yeah, and yeah. I, I guess I guess I can see the merit in playing him. I, I'm not not to go back to the Wyke debate, but I think I think that's that's why this system works. Yeah, because he, it it's basically built around getting the best out of Maguire and Gooch. Yeah, yeah. who again we, Maguire another two assists yesterday. Well, that's a know? big thing I'm gonna I'll bring up now, and this is a big talking point. In the last twelve games, Lyndon Gooch and Chris Maguire have scored twelve goals and contributed ten assists. And that's you know twelve games, twelve goals and ten assists from those two players. And so like obviously the impact they're having is, as you know, is to say, to say it's substantial. I well, think would be doing a disservice. I think it's a testament to where as well to how good we are at creating the overload. It kind of goes <coughs> unnoticed. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm being a bit football hipster here, <laughs> but you see at times during the game, and especially yesterday, like we get the stat packages as well, and you can see the average positions of players sort of over the ninety minutes. And what you find is and it'll happen multiple times during a game, is we'll have like three players overloading the right-hand side. And it happens quite a lot, especially with Onai and Maguire and Willis. And Dobson, actually. And Yeah, yeah and four. there's always someone kind of coming into that area. And we do it on the left as well. And I think in at this level especially, it just bamboozles teams because, especially with a target man in the middle, the two centre-backs are really hesitant to come, come out towards the ball. The strikers don't want to know. They they're not interested in tracking back. So then immediately you've got the left back who's panicking because he's got two men. The left mm-hmm. winger who's panicking because he's not a defender. Mm-hmm. And we just seem to pass team pass around teams when we're getting those wide positions. When, when you're talking about meeting potato football, 
League One teams are generally used to defending against that. Yeah. yeah. So when you come up with something, and it's not particularly revolutionary, but when you've got somebody like Jordan Willis who can effectively play like a right wing back, mm-hmm. which is what he's doing, he's he's, he's flying down oh, the absolutely. wing and he's, and he's putting great cor- uh, crosses in the box. Um, how do how do you defend that? It's difficult. I mean, the the Rochdale game that we mentioned before, that one in particular. We absolutely battered their left hand side to M- the point where the you, left back came off. <laughs> I, re- I reckon. I mean, not not to defend them, but they they were they self sabotage from the get go because you know that they, they got a lot of plaudits from like yeah. well, like the football bible from that one video where they pass out from the back and score one goal. And I think that's one thing that um, Brian Barry Murphy tries to do with Rochdale is is play out from the back. But mm. again, when you're away from home on on what is I think for League One quite a wide pitch against a, a team that. You know, it's yeah. probably known among managers for, as you say, for sort of, you know, overloading a flank and then garnering momentum from scoring two, three goals in quick succession. You know, well, there, there's, if, there's if, they, some... if they tried that the whole, if tried what they did the whole game and we had not relented, we would have won about yeah. 12-0 because well, they, they, were, they, were, they were that bad. How, like, how do you defend against something then? Because you've just said that and you're right, you can't play football against us in this system. No. But then yesterday... It's total route one, and they, they were undone Did, again. I, I you know? think the the simplest way to defend against us, and you know, football manager hat on, is you've got to have a back five. I think you've definitely got to have a back five. That back five's got to sit pretty deep I'd, because I'd, I'd... we use it. We we do use. I know, sort of, it doesn't look like it, but the pace and the dribbling skills are like mm-hmm. Gooch and Hume get teams on the back foot, and I think teams just need to sit back. Then pat the midfield out and pat the defence out and just play for a yeah, nil. Well, that's it though, because, because like, that's exa- yeah. sorry, but that's exactly what Doncaster did in effect. They played two, five at the two, back. There's two games the I remember, and the and the stifled us. I mean, yeah. I, I still feel we should have won that game. I thought we were the better side, but that the defensively we they were the most effective side against us. I think putting a third man in midfield undoes us. Uh, Portsmouth and um, what was the game the other week where Oxford. Portsmouth and Oxford both went with a midfield three against us in both games. That's the only time where we've looked um, not in total control of a game in both those. And we obviously uh, Parkinson recognised it quite early in the Oxford game and he brought Scowan on to try and counter it because Brannigan was getting a lot of the ball. Um, so for me, we've just got to be guarded against mm. that. I don't know how Fleetwood play, but on Tuesday we've got to really hope that we set up in a manner that benefits us rather than them. Yeah. I know that sounds pretty simplistic but these are a good side mm-hmm. and it's the hardest game we're going to have and t- to my mind unless somebody picks up um picks up in form these and these in Coventry are the two hardest teams we've got left to play well that's yeah. it um when you're in the when you're at the top end of this league you're competing against teams who are obviously pushing for the division above and are therefore pushing for a system that doesn't depend on say a flat back 442 conventional players playing conventional football you know that we're at a point now where the, the teams here at the top are defined by either individual quality that allows for more sort of you know creative tactics and managers who have a real sort of footballing brain for stuff like this and you know in Phil Parkinson and the Sunderland team we've got now I'm, I'm now at a point where as of as of the 23rd of February 2020 <laughs> the Parkinson and Sunderland you know have have got that team the the main way that we approach games and I think what what um you and Tom have said Gav is, is absolutely spot on we do. We we overload the flanks, and that's one thing that both Ross and Parkinson have done well. Is that a lot of our football is played is played from either the left or the right flank, and normally one is prioritised over the other with the with the aim of 
just overloading a team. You know, you can get Willis forward. You've got your we've got say like Gooch. Let's say you've got Gooch, Human, Willis, or Gooch, Human, Flanagan, all sort of like orchestrating an attack via that flank. You know, from the back going forward, that does overcommit. And I think teams in this league they don't have the composure or the technical skill to sort of manoeuvre away from us and then exploit the weakness that we're living at the back there. Because obviously, if you're getting a centre-back forward, your three becomes a two, and also you've committed to two midfielders and probably a... So you've, got, you've committed your two wingers and wing-back and then a midfielder who's probably over that side as well, like Power or Dobson. You know, it, 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 it's it's like, like any system, it's exploitable. But I think in this league, we depend quite massively and quite rightly on teams not being good enough to sort of get past that wave of panic that sets in when Gooch and Hume are steaming towards them. Anyway, I'm going to move on because we've got a competition announcement and I'm also going to remind Gav that you um, forgot my shirt once again that you promised me. Sorry, mate. It's all right. But anyway, that's not, now that we've resolved that, competition time. It is, to be honest. Yeah, it's somewhere. I mean, uh, it's been about three months now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to put that one down as a lost cause. Play footy on Thursday. I might remember bring it. I thought it was Wednesday. Well, Wednesday then. The dog's gone it. Anybody the dog's got it. The dog has shagged your top. <laughs> well, you see, if you didn't give it so much snake bite, it might not, no. might, it might not be so unruly. But you know, that, that's a story for another day. I'm not going to implicate Gav right here on the pod. Anyway, earlier this week, our friends at Flatback Four offered one of our listeners a free Stoke Old bubble hat, and after hundreds of entrants, I am pleased to announce the winner was the Twitter user by the handle of HCSEFC. So please DM the Roker Report podcast with your contact details and head over to www.flatback4.co.uk to check out their full range of Sunderland-inspired products, which are available in abundance. So yeah, that's something. In abundance? Yeah. yeah. In, in fairness. By thousands if you want. In a little lad, I've got one of the jumpers, and the jumpers are absolutely spot on. In yeah. fairness, like, well, well, I, I'm also meant to have one of the t-shirts. I think of a, of a very similar style to the, to the yeah. jumper you've mentioned there. But of course, um, uh, Gav's, yeah. Gav's uh, snake bitten dog has tore it a bit. So you know, it's... <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so we've got some questions from the listeners, and I think this is quite a big one. You know, speaking of Thompson, that we're nitpicking problems earlier. This I think is a fine example of how we're doing that, given how well things are going. But Wayne Johnson asks any concerns? No, sorry, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one, is it? Yep, sorry. Yep. Someone by the Twitter handle of um, Safalad asks, can we please ask people by email or in the program to keep their rubbish on them till they leave the ground in their bags or pockets as there is no need for all the rubbish on the pitch during the match? It's true, though. Like, it is rank, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. And obviously, because it's been windy for about two months, <laughs> it, it's, it just makes it worse, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's rank. And obviously, when you see it on the highlights and stuff. How does it like a tornado of rubbish just swirling around for the park? It's because the Netflix camera's no longer there, so the standards have just dropped off, you know? On, on, on Sun Until I Die season one, you would never see like a tornado with what's its bags circling Chris Coleman. <laughs> That's true, you? actually, isn't it? Uh, the problem is, if people don't start taking the rubbish home, we're not that many weeks away from Greta Thunberg coming to a match and screaming at we're all That's at half time. Yeah. And yeah, nobody we, needs we don't us. need that. Like, yeah. We don't need any more bad publicity, really. There was know? a there was a photo going around Twitter around Christmas time you know, when they, they do the Christmas parties for workplaces and stuff. Mm-hmm. And somebody had put it on. They got like two hour uh, in with got a two hour in with the yeah. with the party. And they took them down to pitch side, and literally the tunnel was full of rubbish. Like this was on a midweek. This wasn't even like went after a game, so they hadn't even cleaned it up. It's like standards, man. Yeah. Someone sent us a link yesterday on Twitter to where this this gadget some guys developed. It's like a it's like a leaf blower, but it picks up litter. And I tagged the club in it. I was like, buy some. We need to invest, like you know, you can <laughs> sod your money on Liam Boyce. I want some of those leaf blower things. Give, the ball boys are useless anyway. Just give them one of them each. Yeah. 
have noticed though the ball boys are now on the other side of the advertising boards I've seen Phil Parkinson tell them to hurry up yesterday as well <laughs> really yeah yeah. like because at one point it was getting daft and I noticed I think it was maybe two or th- well, three or four games ago the ball boys are now sitting on the inside of the so they can actually get the ball quicker yeah. and it, it's genuinely making a difference like so I wonder if Parky's had something to do with that because because we're playing such a high at such a high tempo, you want the ball out quickly. You don't want to yeah. be yeah, farting on it, and we're, we're pretty bad at retaining possession mm-hmm. from throwings, generally speaking. So it, it, anything yeah. we can do to help ourselves, you know, well, that's it. Though, isn't it? Like it, it is. It's it sounds on the surface like a very trivial point, but at the end of the day, if if you're a ball boy, you're letting the ball just fly over you and then win for the crowd to pick it back up. That's well, about 15 seconds of dead time. Well, and that Rigi goal for Liverpool in well, exactly, the Champions League yeah. semis last year. Well, no, that was big. all the ball boy, really, so, yeah. wasn't it? Because so, he got the ball back on the pitch quickly. To, to to nip it in the bud, are we basically just seeing the fans less rubbish, more throwing the football back quickly, please? That's exactly what yeah. we're saying, yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's please, it. And we'll win the league. Yeah. Parkinson yeah. wants you. It does, show, it does show, though, how well things are going. Pick up now. your litter. It's the most, like, the least threatening, like, propaganda you could ever have, isn't it? It does show how well things are going, though, that we're complaining about the litter. But it is a problem, like, I yeah. mean, it seems like such a stupid nitpicky minor thing. Yeah, but what, what, but it looks rank. It literally, I... I I couldn't help but watch it. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "This is really irritating." This why is there so much rubbish? I don't care about aesthetics here. I'm thinking about like the actual like the actual problems it could cause. I mean, think about the beach ball incident. You know, what what if we have like what if what if like a a, a trundle ball from Charlie White once he's beaten another keeper um, gets collides with some like sort of like encircling crisp packets and slows that, it down? Well, what, what if that happens? Can you not remember Victor Moses for Wigan slipping over a crisp packet and getting a penalty? Yes. Like, oh, right. Yeah, that's so that's actually happened that'll, to us before. That, that, exactly. That that'll well that, that's it though. Like I'm I'm not we, we can't we can't take that chance. Like we no. know our look. We, we can't Imagine that if chance. that costs us promotion. <laughs> carry out that catch him on a Charlie yeah. Wake's head as us. Fucking Greg's <laughs> Oh man, that's some some thought. Charlie Wake flailing around as a as a family bag of <laughs> prawn cocktail skips. <laughs> hey man, honestly. It if you get Brucey back as manager, it would be a better sort of image. Well, he, he won't eat the packets, though, will he? Like, how's the bacon? Did you see? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. What, what, what did you actually ask him? Because like, it didn't even sound like bacon yeah. like, at all. I don't know. It was, it was just like, oh, like, like, enjoy the game. You, you, something like that. Isn't it? How's the bacon? Did you see? <laughs> like, you know, he didn't even like take a second. To, like, did he just say that? It he was just, just like, straight in, yeah. bacon, I yeah. Pure enthusiasm over nice. bacon. Like, it's like, threw down his water bottle and just like, <laughs> it bleeds right in. The, the highlight, though, was the disappointment when he was like, no, and he went, oh. oh. <laughs> so there's no bacon bad drinking this water bottle, doesn't listen for the rest of it. I yeah. really want to talk about bacon and not how shit Newcastle United are. Yeah. Since well, Steve. <laughs> he writes books, doesn't he? Maybe make up. <laughs> they actually sell for thousands, you know. Yeah, they because, because they're so rare. <laughs> they're so rare and presumably shit. Yeah, and I've they, not heard good things like. They are like the the, the, the main the, the protagonist is a man called Steve Barnes. So I'm told. <laughs> so basically, you know, it, it's it's a book written that I believe. It's I think I think it's maybe like a fictitious retelling of Steve, Steve Bruce's life as a football player, but. I don't know. I, I, I'd like to know how he sort of spices it up. I'd like to know what what he does to to give it plot twists and interesting well, you've characters. Got a fair couple of grand Alex get yourself on. I, I don't. I really don't. It'd be been, nice to. Haven't you just been skiing in Italy? Yeah, but you big Tory. You've got loads of money. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, that guy. <laughs> no, you had political, didn't you? <laughs> I've actually got some extracts here More from the book. Please. The novel called Sweeper. Let's go. Sweeper. What is that like? With a... oh, he's got a trilogy. No, it's it's a part uh, of the trilogy. Obviously. Trilogy. 
Yes. Uh-huh. Crikey, didn't know that. I thought it was like one or two. I didn't know there was three. I went to Tom. <laughs> I can't believe this. <clears throat> Come on. The gun was level with my belly. <laughs> what? So this was what it felt like to die. There was no doubt I was going to die, and not even in Newcastle, not even in the Premier League. You know? In Halifax, of all places, with a club in the third division. You know? Can I get the ear nose in? These are awful, oh, yeah, these. That's, uh, you know, well. I prepared and ate my breakfast. My mother always impressed on me, as a lad, the importance of a good breakfast. I, I don't have. go the full Monty. I can manage without the pork chop and black puddings. Full <laughs> 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 Monty. <laughs> Pork chop has no place on a breakfast like, oh, uh, Steve, you absolute glutton. That is a disgrace. But I like cereals, followed by bacon and eggs, and what toast with marmalade. Was a bacon, did you say? <laughs> or washed down with tea. That's the kind of breakfast a man such as me needs. Man, so, yeah. I, don't, I don't actually want to buy these books. That's fucking no, awful. I feel, like, I feel like we've gotten enough like sort of comic relief just from reading those extracts. Spending money on that now would be a bit of disappointment. Because you, you know for a fine fact, it's just like, Let's say if there's 300 pages, about 280 is like dull, monotonous storytelling. And then like the other 20, you're just like really funny lines only because of the person Steve Bruce is, not because of what he intended. Like, I just love how he talks about his breakfast. He clearly loves breakfast yeah, food, which we all do, to be fair. This, this, is, this is actually just like, a, you know, like when you're a kid, you've got to like write a story of how like your day was. And it's like, well, I woke up, I had my bacon and eggs. It was very good. I then walked to school and that was good too. That, that's what Steve, Steve Bruce is doing. Steve Bruce is Ron yeah. Swanson from Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Just but loves his breakfast food. Where did the gun come from, though? I heard you say the word gun in there. Yeah, I don't know. There were just extracts from the book, but I think it was to highlight how poorly written it was. Yeah. What's this got to do about Sunderland? Like, what have I done here? Talking about yeah. Steve Bruce. See, this is why Steve Bruce would never take about the Sunderland job. You know, the thought of the third division now will obviously remind him of his of his dice with death, you know. He's Halifax. Uh, yeah, Halifax. <laughs> oh, not a chance. Choking oh, on a piece of bacon fat aye. that he intended to digest. Yeah, so I had my piece of bacon. I stood up, I dusted myself down and I... I, well, I just want to know who the fuck's having a pork chop for breakfast. That's Steve that, Bruce. Steve Bruce. That's shocking about the winner. That's really appalling. A pork chop. Aware. Pork chop. Breakfast. I like a pork chop. I don't think it's like, like. Obviously, in the nineties, this. Isn't it? When was the bleep test introduced? Because I, I presume it was after I, Steve Bruce's I don't career. Pre-pork chop. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Yeah. I know Dan James actually beat the bleep test. Apparently, the bleep test has an end. So Did he? Really? Yeah, it has a finish. That. Dan James beat the bleep test. No way. Well, there's a little fact. So, Wayne Johnson asks, <laughs> any concerns that we didn't look like scoring until Bristol Rovers went down to 10 men? We'll go to you, Johnny, for that one. Um, Is that a worry until <laughs> Mr. Agogogo? I think it was, it was, well, I was asking Gav before whether or not he thought would actually score. I think it was similar with um, the Ipswich game. You know, I, I think there was, because of the way we're playing and because things are going well, the, there's, there's a lot more patience like from the crowd and stuff, you know, because there's there's that expectation there. There's, 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 we seem to be a lot more patient and it's like, well, you know, if it gets to the 60th, 70th minute, we still haven't scored. It's, you know, we're not getting on people's backs because of a, a misplaced pass or whatever. So, whether or not the, 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 the sending off did make a, a difference or not, um, I still think we would have probably went on to score, you know, and, and went, yeah. went on to win the game. Absolutely, I. It, to be honest, prior to, um, uh, a go-go, great name, getting sent off. It, it His did. first name's Abu as well, so Abu, Abu Agogo just flows, doesn't it? Abu Agogo, it's a good name. Wake me up, Abu Agogo. <laughs> yeah. Can we sign him? Could do. Well, I mean, <laughs> a, well, I mean you know, not right now because of the ban. 
Like trying to kill Chris McGuire in training. I could have been like, yeah, but no, I, I think when, when you look at it, really, I think more ridiculous things have happened than Bristol Rovers should they have stayed at 11 men seeing the game out 0-0. I think it could have happened. I, I don't personally think we we look like scoring, like convincingly, until that they got them sent off. I, I think there was a that there was there was a feeling that it could have been one of those days where it could have finished nil nil despite all of the pressure. I don't think they would have scored in a million years. No. I think they could have still been playing now. You know, I, th- I think you could have had about you know ten more go goes on the pitch and they wouldn't have tried to get the ball forward. They would have still tried to see the yeah. game out. I've, I've just got to like I said before. I, I got to a point in the game where I, it wasn't because I'd lost faith in the players. It just felt like we were doing everything right apart from create meaningful yeah. chances. Hmm. So from that perspective, yeah. But I mean. It, it, Johnny made a great point there. I think we we are a lot a lot more patient mm-hmm. with the ability of the players now. So you look at probably um, discounting away games. Maybe the, the the data for away games is is the same, but home games certainly we do seem to have a lot more energy in the tank than, than the teams we're playing. So you know, as the game kicks on, that we've still got a chance of winning them. In, in these teams, it is it's every it's every away team's cup final in it. At the end of the day, coming to the oh, well, stadium I mean, alive, they, they brought loads of fans yesterday. I was yeah. really surprised by how many made the trip. Right, great, like great support, con- considering the, the state of the weather and the fact they're not playing particularly well. The distance of the journey. I mean, practically in Wales, aren't you in Bristol? So you basically, are, yeah, yeah. So it's like they've come a long way, mm. and the, I reckon there was over a thousand there, which is a good crowd for them. Yeah. So it's, you're right, everybody turns up at the stadium alive, and it's not big-headed in saying this. They generally do. They treat the game differently. Yeah. The referees treat the games differently. I mean, the referee mm-hmm. yesterday got a bit of stick. Actually, didn't think he had a bad game. If I'm honest, I, th- um, I thought it was awful first no, half. I, I thought it was absolutely atrocious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was the, what the big one that made everybody go wild at him at half time was not giving a penalty to 0-9, which I don't think was a penalty. I mean, I was right in front of it. I don't think he. I don't think he touched. When you look really. at the reverse angle, for I me, mean, where do you sit? Southwest corner. Ah, well, we had well, the, like the camera angle from the like from the stream at the very least. Yeah, I've seen it. It, it yeah. does look a bit more like a penalty. It, it, well, it it, it oh. looks it looks stolen more from the angle, but obviously it might look different from the, from the reverse. I it, mean, I can act only account it, for one angle. It looks stone wall from where I was, and right. I sit like in line uh, with the left hand goal post. But I, mean, I would like to submit, hopefully stone wall from hopefully there. some YouTube child has done some sort of uh, YouTube child. Yeah, you know when, when well, it's, it's not it's not a real phrase. For me, it is. You know when they film the games and stuff. Yeah, there'll yeah. Be some, but... There'll be some like raw camera footage of that of that incident, I'm sure. For me though, he did have a couple in the first half. Why can referees not not apply physics? It's like if you win the ball, chances are the ball is going to change direction. It's not going to continue on the same pace on the same yeah. line, right? So at that point, if he thinks that He's won the ball from from oh nine, right? He's either got to where the ball went. He's either got to give a penalty or he's got to give a free kick and book oh nine from dive for diving, which insinuates he hasn't won the ball. Mm. But instead, he's given a corner, and it's like, but the ball never deviated. I've, I've yeah. How can you look at that and go, well, that's not changed? Mm-hmm. But I think he's won the ball. Of the three possibilities he had, that was the only objectively wrong choice he could yeah. have made because uh-huh. the, the other the other two from this from the the looks of it are both contentious, like. Like plausibly, you could have given if I did the other two, and while I may have disagreed with one, I would have seen right. Okay, I understand that that's the logical due process here. Yes, a um, corner doesn't make any did, sense. He did the same with Gooch though. When when he booked Gooch, Gooch won the ball. The ball's completely changed direction, and then he's gone through the man. 
So he's won a fair but tackle. He'd had three. He'd made three fouls. But, it, but that it was a, it was a, it was a fair tackle. The one he actually booked them on. I think, he's I think he was lucky not to get booked balls. before that. He probably was. So, but the tackle he books him on, he's won the ball. The balls changed direction. Hmm. So how can you see him win the ball and go? Well, that's a free kick yeah. because I'm, he's won hmm. the ball and then threw I've, the man. I've, I've given up waiting for the referees to be consistent. Oh, even at this, I mean, when you when you watch the Premier League yesterday with the benefit of a VAR. Uh, replay and in about two minutes to make a decision they still so got that yeah. stamp wrong in the Spurs game oh, yeah. I feel like, shows you how bad it must be down the leagues yeah. if, that, if that's the best yeah. we've got no, you know I, I, mean? I feel like now you know the, the, I feel like promotion to the championship is a lot more sort of appealing for us now because I, I personally believe now that's where the best standard of refereeing in English football currently is because obviously in League One we can verify that it's absolutely atrocious and in the Premier League while some of them may be more, comfort, may, may be more competent they, they, they appear to be totally submissive to like the, the, the robot overlords of VAR. You know, like the the, yeah. the referees now who just like hold hands up and just go, you know, oh no no that <laughs> you know this is this is the way the game's moving. You know, I I I must defer to the to the computer overlord here to tell me what's right and wrong. You know, to make my own my own moral choices on this game. We you know at least in the championship. I mean, it won't be very good. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's probably the best we've got. You know, they'll be better than the, the League One referees, and they they won't have any robots telling them what to do. The the refs are absolute dog shit in League One. But <laughs> yeah. the only way for me, I, I think personally, is to to get a get a sort of get over it is is just keep playing the way we're playing and, and win games because mm-hmm. then we're not having to rely on, you know, yeah. a, a referee to help us. Thankfully, touch wood, we haven't lost any points because of a terrible refereeing yeah. decision yet. But, you know, the whole time wasting thing, yeah. it's the same, you know, we can't use yeah. that as an excuse. It's just Play our game, be yeah. better, and win. Win, win, and their manager come out after the game and slated the referee. Like they, they really weren't happy. But he was playing mind tricks before the game, money mm-hmm. saying like, "Oh, he needs to be strong-minded and stuff yeah. like that." He and conveniently he was... though forgot about obviously the potentially stonewall penalty in the first half. He said, "Oh, the referee was great in the first half, but oh, that that one decision when when Charlie Wags got on, oh, that was terrible." He really wilted there. He only seemed to wilt according to the manager. In the decisions that went against him, yeah. despite them being as contentious, which is the same across the board, man. Because there is times, and we're all guilty of it, where you're in the south stand and you see your title go in, and it gives a free. Ah, oh, it's not a free kick, and you know in your heart of hearts it really is. But I honestly, I honestly to, think you had a good game. But to be fair, to was to one be of the fair, few. <laughs> I think across the board with the referees, though, is they're that incompetent that they're that incompetent across the board. So, yep. for instance, the Agogo thing mm-hmm. is yes, he's got the red card right, but the same time, he's also just completely ignored the fact that Maguire's instigated that mm-hmm. whole incident, you know, yeah. and there's little things like that. So even though the referees are poor, they are still getting... the consistently mostly, poor. Yeah, they're consistently poor, so they are still getting the obvious ones correct. Yeah. No one gets favoured by the fair, poor referees. They don't discriminate. <laughs> Everyone gets done in by a bad decision at least once in a game, as it seems. I, do, I, I just think the referees are just... Talking are just bred arseholes to be honest with you because is there a referee in the world or in Britain rather that you can go oh he's a good referee and he's not an arsehole because it's not Mark Clattenburg he is <laughs> definitely an arsehole and he doesn't referee anymore no he doesn't you're right and his surname as with Battenberg like that. <laughs> I, Funny. I, I just think that the fact we're a big team and playing a big stadium in front of lots of fans it's, it's got to have an impact on some of these refs who to the point of the last couple of seasons, have probably only refereed in like front of eight thousand, ten thousand people. It's like it, it's got to have it's got to have some sort of impact. Who was the yeah. referee last season? I don't know if you remember. We had 
I think we had seven red cards last season and five were brandished by the same referee. Yeah. And four were rescinded and there was only one we didn't appeal, which was the Leuven's one. And we didn't appeal it because he tore his hamstring. So he was out for a month. Yep. So that referee could have wow. realistically have had every red card he gave against us rescinded in one season. Which is absolutely incredible. How was, how was that referee, after two red cards being rescinded, still referee in our games? It's the equivalent of like doing any other job. And then four times you need to maybe clean the floor. And then every single time you make the floor dirtier. So anyway, one last question from Tracy Slater, who says, Fleetwood on Tuesday night, they've beat the teams in third, fifth and seventh in their last three and only conceded one goal. Would a draw be a good result? Tom. No, it wouldn't be a good result. What would be a good result, Tom? Uh, To be honest, at home, on this form, got to be going for a win. Absolutely. It's as straightforward as that. Um, Actually, I've probably been a bit harsh here. Would a draw be a bad result? No. But as long as we went and beat Coventry on Sunday. say that, yeah. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's one of those. I think from the next two games, few says you can have four points. I'll take four points no matter what way they come. Whether that means drawing, then winning, winning and drawing. I'm not bothered. But I, I do think uh, we've got to try and chase the win on Tuesday because then Coventry becomes a mustn't lose. As yeah. opposed to if we draw, it becomes a must win. And, and then that Coventry... will play in Coventry's hands of, well, we can just sit out to frustrate these. and Yeah. I mean, Coventry have lost three games all season. You know, they're like That's the Jack it. Ross Sunderland team of last season, where they seem to be. If they don't, if if they're not going to win a game, they just draw it instead. That's all they do. I'm just keeping my feet away from the power button. I was quite impressed of how well you. That was like Sharon Stone. Stone. Yeah, that, uh... you suspended them in the air very, very well yeah. there. Actually, to be fair, you, they, you, you got, you got. Yeah. People can't say what's happening, but Tom's just opened his legs very wide. Tom's just like gyrating yeah. in a very sort of threatening way. Like It's because I've been falsely accused of kicking the power button yeah. on the computer. So. <laughs> it's quite sexually menacing. Breaking the fourth actually. wall, yeah. People <laughs> yeah. know what's going on. Whoopa. Fleetwood. Tried to Fleetwood, Fleetwood. Because his dog's an alcoholic. Fleetwood. Fleetwood. Fleetwood, anyway, it's Fleetwood. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you said, actually. I think, I think four points from the next two games would be fine. But... At the same time, I want to take. I know this is such a cliche, but we've got to take one game at a time. This next game is massive. I mean, Barton loves it, and he? he loves playing Sunderland. They're going to be right up for it, and they're, they're in great form. They're, 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 I think they're the only team in the league in better form than us right now. Yep, that's so right. They, I think they've won six on the bounce now, so they aren't going to be no mugs. Um, clearly, losing Chet Evans for a couple of games to suspension hasn't made a difference because they've kept winning. And they've beat Peterborough, they've beat Portsmouth, haven't they? So, mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are clearly a good side. They've beaten um, two teams who have who have beaten us quite convincingly in the past. Obviously, the Portsmouth yeah. game, you know, they you know they proved to be first best when we mm. played them. And then obviously Peterborough. I mean, that, again, that was ages ago, but it that was a very convincing win for them when we played them with Jack Ross. This is a, a season-defining run of games. We've got obviously Fleetwood. Coventry and Gillingham who are who don't lose either Gillingham are in great form they're another team who are an outside bet for the playoffs they're huge like but like you say I think we do have to take it one game at a time yeah. but me me heart says we'll come away with three points on Tuesday but me head I think it's going to be tight I think I think I think they will come for come for a draw come for, maybe try and nick, nick you know like a I think they'll come for a win like I think Barton mm-hmm. loves it that yeah. much yeah because he, he'd love the opportunity he'll not be telling his pl- the big well he'll not be telling his players to ease off us it, they'll come with a game plan like everybody does but they'll be coming for three points because they want to get promoted too mm-hmm. this is what we're, we're getting into that part of the season now yeah. where when all the 
the good sides start playing each other, it starts to make a difference. I've, I've largely ignored the league table all season to this point, mm-hmm. but this run of games is starting to make us think a bit more about it and thinking, you know, this this is a massive game, right. massive game in terms of points. I mean, we could we could realistically be sat here this time next week in could be top of the league, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's it though, because that that title and those automatic spots and those clear spots are anyone's. If you look how tight it is at the top, like last season, I think this was roundabout where Luton and Barnsley were starting to pull away. Mm. Well, Luton especially was starting to pull away. There was a team that you thought, right, yeah, they're going to win it. Doesn't look that way now. I think Rotherham could slip. You know, Wickham is still around there. I don't quite know how because I still think they're terrible. You know, you win games. That's yeah. It, isn't it? Well, yeah, Coventry don't lose games, and that that does enough to ensure that when they when they don't lose, they just draw and they win the games that they need to win. Yeah. You know, there's obviously teams like us, Portsmouth, are fell away, but again, they beat us. Fleetwood are knocking on the door. Gillingham are knocking on the door because similar to Coventry, if they don't lose, they just draw. It's mm-hmm. it's really really tight, and those three games. You know, if you were to win those three games, and I know that's possibly possibly a long shot, not, not certainly not not implausible, not by a long shot, but if you won those three games, you know, you've possibly, and I know I, I don't want really to jump the gun, you, you could have you could have got your automatic spots just there because you've won three must-win games. But again, like Johnny, like my heart says that it's going to be tight. I think in all three, it's going to be tight. I don't think any of those teams are going to, are going to make it easy for us. I think I think we'll, we'll be pushed to the hilt in all three of them. But we'll finish off there. Can we get some predictions for the Fleetwood game? Can you give me the score line and your goal scores? We'll start with you, Johnny. Um... I'm going to go 2 0. Um, nice. Lafferty's going to start. Oh, bah. And he's going to score first, and uh, Gooch will get the second. Yeah. So, do, so do you think that Parkinson will get sacked for that game then? Because that's <laughs> the only logical way you're going to see someone dropping white. But <laughs> um, he might get injured in training between now and then. You never Could know. Happen. You never Could know. Happen. Could happen. Yeah. No, no. Thanks for cursing it, Joe. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. That's what I'm going with. 2 0. Yeah. Decent. Tom. I don't know what it, it's hard. I can't say who's keeping a clean sheet against Fleetwood. Fleetwood mm. just seem to get that knack of not really. I th- yeah, I just think Fleetwood have got that knack of managing to score in just about every game they're playing in. Yeah, we don't concede many chances um, though. We don't concede many chances, so it depends how clinical they are on the day. Like. Um no, I think two one is I wouldn't like to see who could score. I think Powers Jew an absolute screamer again because it's been a while since he's and he's been taking a few pops from outside the area so I mm-hmm. think he's fancying one probably Maguire or Gooch to get back on the score sheet yeah but just because they, they never offered yeah. these days I can't um, I don't know I wouldn't say I can't see us getting beats off them because anyone can beat anyone at the top of the division but I would be very surprised if the result was any worse than a draw mm-hmm. uh, I'm going, yeah I'm going to go 1-0 I just think we'll win don't say us conceding, even though they're a good team. Um, mainly because we're just so good defensive. We don't concede chances. I mean, how many saves does McLaughlin actually make? Particularly at home. We, we don't concede that many chances. And I know they're a good team. And I've just been talking about how we can't take them for granted and they're in great form. Um, but I think I think we are the team nobody wants to play right now because we don't concede chances. We're... we're we're winning games 3-0s, 2-0s. Like, people aren't going to want to play Sunderland. So as much as I know Barton will have his team up for it, um, it's a different kettle of fish when they get out on the pitch and they've got all those fans there and, and we're, we're confident and we're up for it and we're playing on the front foot, which we are at the minute. I mean, it was something I was going to mention earlier when you were talking about um, the style of play and stuff. But if you look at in terms of possession and chances created, Sunderland are quite high in terms of the teams in League One. I don't think we get enough credit for the style of football we play. No. We're actually... We do actually play quite good football, and I think at home 
that's that's crucial because away from home you obviously set up a little bit more defensively. Mm-hmm. At home again, as 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 good as Fleetwood are, we've got to take the game. Them like we have done in previous games against good sides. So yeah, I, I reckon one nil, and I think Maguire, he's just in just such good form. I mean, he was so good at the weekend. He needs to carry that on another good performance, get himself a goal because if there's one thing you can be critical of on Saturday was that his free kicks, he had some good free kicks around the box, chances to score and they weren't great. I fancy him to bag one and then win us the game. Yeah, no, same. I'm, I'm gonna, I would go with 2-1 because I, I, th- I think that while we have enough in the locker, we have the momentum and the quality to beat them. I, I'm, I'm with Tom that I think Fleet would do just find a way to get a goal. I think I'm, I'd even go as far as to say that I think they'll score first. I think they'll start stronger than we will and initially anyway and they'll get, they'll get an early goal. And then we'll get two back from Maguire. And I think, similar to you again, Gav, I think we'll get one from open play because, you know, like our football on the ground, you know, has been some very decent football. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you you watch, I mean, when I watch like EFL on Quest and I watch like some of like the, I watch the goal compilations of other teams in League One and they all look a bit naff compared to ours sometimes. You know, when you, the, the Hume's goal against Wickham, um, Gooch's against, why well, can't think of the name, Bristol Rovers <laughs> yesterday, you know. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was a great finish yesterday, but he's a lot. I know what you mean. We've got yeah. a lot more quality in a lot of teams. We do, yeah, and, and I, th- I think I think we can pass our way to a goal from either Maguire. Or I'm going to say Maguire for the first one, and then I think Maguire from a free kick because law of averages, he's, he's that good at taking them. If he if he gets a few more, I think he'll start putting them mm. away. So yeah, I'm going to go two one Sunderland. So yeah, I think that's a good place. Wins to leave all round then. Yeah, I, I, I think, that's, think that's it. So yeah, so thank you very much once again for listening to the Rogue Report podcast. Almost compromised by Tom kicking uh, Johnny's um, uh, computer. Didn't there, kick you know, the computer. <laughs> Tom, Tom kicked the computer. Yeah, Johnny, just... did, did Tom kick your computer? Um, I'll uh, have to review the CCTV footage. Yeah, and well, we'll work well. Out. just to let Does, people know, I didn't kick the computer. Tom. I'm going to fucking kick you. <laughs> <laughs> just to let people know what happened because you can't see what's obviously happened. But we thought we lost fifty odd minutes of uh, recording. Yeah. So. It's our eat man. Because Tom's got long, long legs and he's long big, legs and a big toes and a bad, bad temper. <laughs> <laughs> he, was getting really, he was getting really angry about the rubbish on the pitch. Yeah, and he was. And like, they wouldn't let me read more Steve Bruce out. Yeah, <laughs> I want to read Steve Bruce, and then he picks it, and then we're gone. But no. So to make sure you get the latest Roku Report podcast as soon as they're released, remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, and of course YouTube. So. I've been your host, Alex. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Johnny, for lending us your studio. No problem. In, sp- in, in spite of the controversy, of course. Yeah, yeah. Deptford yeah. Sound. It's called Deptford Sound. Deptford if Sound, anyone yes. wants to check it out on uh, social media, etc., etc., come and record some banging tunes. Absolutely. Yep. Tremendous. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Gav, for gracing us again with your presence. No problem. I'm going to sleep soon. Yeah. Well, m- m- make sure you uh, get home first. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't I want to do it at the yeah. wheel. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Johnny's been a great. It's been a the, the hospitality's been great from Johnny, but I don't know who's going to accommodate you. No, keep it on this sofa. It is so. nice this sofa. Though. It's very, very nice this sofa. Yeah, Come bit of a casting couch vibe actually. A little bit, yeah. Wow. yeah. That's what I was thinking. And he works in the music industry. Actually, now I'm putting two and two together. Opa. <laughs> yeah. This is where yeah. the sexy music comes in, Sean. Yeah. Hashtag me too. <laughs> Sick. I would no, say I'm thank you to Tom, but um, I'm I'm becoming less and less thankful by the second. Really, <laughs> he's ruined it. It's no problem. I don't blame you. Nah, it's <laughs> all right. Anyway, so um, uh, Tom, if you can just get your um, trainer in ready, and we'll cut off with you kicking the um, computer. So yeah, thank you very much, and see you later. Tom, no, no. Tell him sit down. Me and Mark Tyson are sit down. Me and Mark Sit down.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.